Well, I want to say one thing really clearly. I would love for you, if you haven't, sign up for one of those focus groups. Uh, they're today and they're throughout this day, this afternoon. And then also, again, if you would think about it, there's a Wednesday night open group. So <clears throat> we really do want to hear from you. We are in this season of saying, God, take us from here to there. And we're in this time of listening to God and one another. So I wanted to say that. The other thing I want to say is, <clears throat> in this time of COVID, uh, you may not be struggling to find a meal, but there are people who are really doing that. And you have been so gracious as a church. We have a caring fund that we usually take that money on communion Sunday. And, and we have been able to give so many gifts to people. And I just want you to know that. We also, uh, as a church body, there are about 30 who participated this last week in every meal which is, some of you remember Sheridan's story, it's, it's really for young kids who are in what we call these food security situations, <clears throat> where it's really difficult for them. They're not getting a meal. And so they pack those meals so every kid can get a meal, and we believe it's so important. So thank you for those of you who participated in that, and, uh, and especially uh, Tina, who is overseeing <clears throat> our, our local uh, survey area. Excuse me. I should probably take some water. Um, <clears throat> So we're in this book of Acts, and today uh, one of the key phrases is found in verse 16 of chapter 3, where Peter kind of goes, I don't have this, but I do have this. And this whole message is kind of around this idea of giving what you got. I was a uh, middler student in seminary, and in, in, in it was in three years is what a seminary graduate degree is. Going for my, uh, Master of Divinity, and I decided in that middler year to pastor a church that was open. It's a smaller church, about 60 people in Fox Lake, um, area called Lakes, Fox Lake Community Church was the name of it. In the chain of lakes area in northern Illinois, uh, it was, uh, a place where Al Capone, uh, was kind of loved to hang out. Uh, they would go up as groups, and we lived, my wife and I at that time, in a close a place called Mineola, which was very close um, to where we were, which was his kind of party hangout place right on Fox Lake. And I was, uh, it was a predominantly Catholic area, and so in, in this church of 60 people, I did more door-to-door kind of um, evangelism, which was a, a, a real uh, interesting thing, to say the least. Um, I remember going to one door with a lady, she must have been 70 or so, and I knocked on the door, I told her I was a pastor in the area, and she got angry and said, you can't be a priest. And remember, it's Catholic, you're, you're, you're way too young for that. And she actually let her dog out on me, and I ran out. Um, and so there is a suffering for Jesus that I do know about. Um, but what I wanted to share with you is that the church that I pastored was, was very close to a, a well-traveled railroad, and the tracks were not far from the church, and we got constant um, traffic of what I would call weathered and disheveled men and women who um, would come to the church, and I, I kind of, after a while, began to realize they were probably coming from those trains that would go through, and they would ask for money, and I had no idea what to do. I didn't know what to give. I would usually try and find $5 or $10 in it. If I could, in a seminary, you don't have a lot of money. And it usually was after people, I mean, a lot of people had left and they were waiting around. And, and, and one day, 
One of the shop owners, and we were not far from a bunch of shops, there was a liquor store, another shop, and a gas station, and down the road was a McDonald's. One day, one of the shop owners, um, when I was meeting with him or something, had said, do you know why you get so many drifters? I said, I, I really don't know. And he goes, because um, your church has a mark on it. You're an easy target. You're an easy give. And I thought, whoa, well, that's interesting. And I, I kind of was asking then what to do. And I can't remember if it was him or in the process of trying to understand with some of our other people, what do I do? And, uh, and, and one of the persons was real wise because they said, you know, most of, and oh, that shop owner did say, you know, the people, they, you give to them and they go right down to the liquor store. And you may not be aware of that. And, and so it was, what do I do? Because we want to give them something. So someone came up with a brilliant idea. Well, let's give them a McDonald's gift certificate. Get them a really healthy meal. Um, and so that's what we did. I had a book of gift certificates and, and the person told me if they're really hungry, they'll walk down the road to, to get it. And if they're not, they're going to say no. Do you know what? Within about a year and a half, we hardly had any people stopping at our church because they didn't want the McDonald's gift certificate. This was kind of my adventure of learning about giving what you got. And there's a whole lot of things that we want to learn around that. There's things that um, I would say you need to be wise about. There's wisdom. And so we're going to look at this story, and, and we're going to ask this question. What do, you, what do you do with what you've got? Every one of you have something to give. And this story gives us kind of wisdom. It, it's broken really into two sections. Your Bibles, if you're looking at a Bible, can break it up differently. I would break it up basically in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, which is the story of the healing. And then if you go from 12 through 26, it's the story of Here's Jesus, and here's really what I have to give. You want to kind of look at it that way. Those are just kind of the two breakdowns, but that's, I'm going to go through this a little differently. Let's listen to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. I think this is from the message in little New Living uh, uh, Bible in this as well, translation. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being car- carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate and the one called the beautiful gate so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. Give me your attention. You can see this picture of this guy seeing him and seeing other people and just kind of, you know how they, you, you know, we didn't, money, I need, I need some help, I'm poor, whatever, you know, if you've been on the street corner, you, he was saying, look at us. And then Peter and John said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood up on his feet, and began to walk. And then walking, leaping, and praising God. And he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often, at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. 
Father, I pray. Just open our hearts to what you want to say. I pray individually to each person. Spirit of God, uh, lift up Jesus, we pray, and, and help us to understand you more through this. In Christ's name, amen. So you look at these first um, few verses and this idea of giving what you got. I just want to share with you a beautiful gift. You may be wondering what that is. Um, first, he's coming through. They're walking through. It's 3 p.m. They had had prayer times usually in the morning and then the afternoon. So he, they were going to one of the afternoon prayer times where often they would go and, and teach or meet with other believers. And as they were approaching the temple, they see the lame guy. He's, he's at a place called Beautiful Gate. And Beautiful Gate is one of the gates into the court of Gentiles, which would eventually lead into the court of women. It was probably the Corinthian gate, and Josephus, a historian, um, it, it, it mentions in his writings it was adorned with rich and thick plates of gold. So he, he's sitting under this, this entrance where there's plates of gold. There's also silver and bronze, so it was somewhat ornate. Jesus, think about it, would have probably walked through that same gate many of times. And this man probably had to be there. It was common that a lame person would find his corner. So it's not like he's going from one different corner to another. You know, this is my spot, this is my corner, and this is where this guy was. And Jesus would have walked by and, and would have walked by him and, and not healed him. And, and it, it raises the question for me, because Jesus had something to give, obviously, but he didn't. And as I uh, thought about that, I, I thought of the fact that Jesus would often sometimes, he walked through the pool of Shalom, or, or, or what would be called Bethesda, where there were all kinds of lame people, and he just, he healed one. Ever, ever ask yourself, why isn't that God didn't, you know, Jesus didn't just go through everywhere? People sometimes come down on faith healers and go, yeah, if they were gift of faith healing, they should just go through the hospital and heal everybody. I just want to share with you, that's just not how it works in God's kingdom. And, and it may be frustrating, because even Jesus didn't always give what he had to give. Think about it for a second. You might, this moment, be sitting here thinking, I wish Jesus would give me this, and, and it may be that he has it, and he hasn't given it to you. And you kind of go, why? It could be healing. It could be a person that you're praying for. It could be um, a, a promotion at work. It could be more influence in someone's life or in Whatever. And so the first piece of wisdom is you don't always give what you got. It's just, that's kind of a, 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 a principle that we even see in scripture that we see even Jesus carrying out. Good parents don't always give their child a very sharp knife when they're four years of old. Right? You just don't give sometimes what you got. You, you don't, you don't give a 10 year old child the keys to the car unless you're living in Montana. Um, good bosses sometimes don't give promotions because they know you're not ready and you don't have the skills yet. Even God doesn't sometimes give what he's got. And you might be going, but God. There's really some good reasons why, and I'm just going to share with them those, a few of them with you here. And one is, um, it, it could be the issue of not, not being asked. You know, it could be that you're not following the principles of the kingdom. The kingdom says, if, if, if you want something, ask. Um, James' brother, uh, the brother of uh, Jesus, James, he really understood this well. He writes in, 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 in his book, he says, um, if any of you lack wisdom, then let him ask of God, which must mean that if you're lacking wisdom, you're not, you're, most often when I'm lacking wisdom, I try and do it in my own strength and own wisdom. I try and figure it out. And, I, and, and then sometimes my wife will just say to me, have you asked God about that? Now you're going, you're the pastor, you should be doing this. 
Let's get really real. We are all people who live out of selfish and, and, and hearts sometimes that just don't, aren't responsive. And so sometimes the principle of the kingdom that you ask and you will receive, said Jesus, uh, isn't, isn't happening. I, I was thinking about this when I wrote this. I think it would be really cool to be one of Jesus' brothers in one way. Because Jesus lived by this. He, he probably never bossed his brothers around. He, he probably never offered unsolicited opinions. Can you believe that? He, he often wasn't going around giving advice. And I have to say, because I'm a word kind of person, and some of you may be that way, I'm readily wanting to give my advice. And the reality is a lot of times people don't want it. They're not even ready for it. It might even be good advice. Sometimes God says, you know what, you don't have because you don't ask Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the um, are those who mourn because they'll be comforted. And you kind of go, well, 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 yeah, that's probably a good thing. But let me share with you. If you are mourning inside right now about something and you, you don't get that out there, you're not actually putting an ask on anyone to come around to comfort you. Does it make sense? Part of the kingdom of God is beginning to understand what's going on here and being able to ask. I don't know... That might be one of the things that happened here. It could be that, uh, that you don't always um, give what you've got because it's not the right timing. That timing has a lot to do with it. Jesus may have been quite aware that this guy wanted a healing. Or at least maybe he was asking for money and, and Jesus didn't stop. But it could have been that he knew that it wasn't the right timing. Even if he did give it, the guy wouldn't steward it necessarily well. That's always a possibility. What if Jesus does give you something? What if Jesus does answer your question? What if Jesus does meet that need that you have? And then how well will you steward what's been given? I I, I think of this even as you think about wise and wealthy parents who don't always give their inheritance to their kids as soon as they turn 15, right? A lot of times they wait and they distribute it like at 30 and then maybe again at 35 because they know they want to have wisdom to be able to steward well what they've been given. I, you know, I've read this before and I, I looked it up again and this is really true. Research has shown us that lottery winners, how long, first of all, most lottery winners, the majority of lottery winners in seven years lose everything they've won because they don't know how to steward it. There might be a timing issue in the situation of yourself. It's really frustrating. You might be working with someone and you want to give it. Sometimes people get a word from God. We call it kind of a prophetic word. And, and you, you feel like you got to give it right now. And you go, no, timing's not right for them. It's not right for you even. What I'm bringing to mind is for you to pray about it. I want you to, to actually take some time and instead of saying it out loud, the timing isn't right, I want you to pray about it. It could have been that he had an issue of what I call perceived need. And this could have been the major one here. He really wasn't in touch with what he really needed. He really thought he needed silver and gold. I think that's what's so interesting. Peter and John look around in this gate, and it's filled with plates of gold. And there's gold and silver all around him. Obviously, he can't take it off, but if he could. And he goes, "I, I don't have any of that stuff for you. But I do have something that I want to give you. But it's deeper than what you want. It's what you really need. I, I find often, and early on in my ministry, I didn't understand this when it came to counseling. And now having um, gone through 
um, a lot of work in this area around marriage um, relationships and, and now running um, with some other people. We have about three or four marriage groups going on in our church right now where we're helping people understand. I have found that sometimes people will come in, and I know our, 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 our counselors on staff also know this. And I say on staff, they're not paid. Most all of them are just volunteer. But you find out that sometimes a marriage is in such a, a state of pain that I've had it come in where a, a husband comes in with their wife and their wife has been in pain for such a long time, has desired for so long and done all that they could to try and get their husband into counseling, has worked on it. And, and now it's like 15, 20 years later and, and she has nothing, no energy to give any longer to that relationship. And, and she will just say to me, I, I want to separate and, and I want a divorce. And, 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 and the guy, the guy will look at me and, and say, Pastor, I just want to be back together. And I'll, I'll go, you know what? That's your problem right now. Cause that's exactly what she doesn't want. And I just want us to be back together the way it was. That's why she wants to leave or she has left when I've met sometimes with these guys. And so I will say, um, I'm trying to learn to do this more. Would you like my advice? Well, that's why I came here. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to quit working so hard and getting the two of you back together. That's what you want, right? No doubt that's exactly um, what God wants and what Jesus would desire. But what I want you to do is start looking at what you really need and what she really needs and wants. And here's what you need to start working on. You. Your character. Get your eyes off the marriage for a second. And begin to put yourself in this position. Become the person and develop the character that she wants to come back to. Work on you and not so much on getting back together. Because what you want isn't what you most need, nor is it what your wife most wants. She's got your attention right now. So use that attention, not trying to get her to get energy back in here, but become the kind of person that she both wants and most deeply needs. And I can tell you, what was there will begin to be revived again. God is a God of hope and miracles. And so I I just, I want you to, to recognize this. It could be that Jesus knew what he needed most at the time, and he knew it wasn't just a physical healing. He needed a new heart. He didn't just need gold and silver. He needed a whole lot more than that. And so, could have been, he wasn't ready. There will be times you can't give what you have because the person doesn't want it. They're not ready for it. They don't really know what they most need. And that's really frustrating, isn't it? Think how frustrating it is to God. And now I just want you to think about yourself for a second. Quit thinking about the person you've been trying to give this to. Is there something God really wants to give you? In this process, which has been painful and has gotten your attention... In it, God is just saying, I want you just to come to me and start paying attention to what is most important internally inside you. There's another step of wisdom here as you go through Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And I just call this wisdom, most often you'll give what you've got to those God places in your path. This is a little bit of what we talked about last week when I talked about black being experiencing God. Um, Peter and John, they went to the temple. Uh, about uh, They went one afternoon, it was about 3 p.m. 
It says as they're approaching the temple, as they're going through it, it's through the, in their daily path. And it's the kind of thing where I was just talking about, if you really want to experience God, there's a sense that what you want to do is pay attention to how God is working around you. So Peter and John were walking through it, and this guy was asking, and somehow something was happening within them, and they stop. See, if you want to experience God, be aware of how God is moving around you. And most often, it'll be right in your daily path. It will be in a, a path that you took. So you're going along, you're saying, oh, I'm going to stop, I'm going to get some gas. Somehow you're stopping to get some gas. Maybe you get into conversation with the person who's taken whatever it is. Maybe it's not one of those quick things, but you went in to get something else. And God is working in that person's life. It's in your path. I don't know. You're on a Zoom call. And you're on five minutes early, and someone else comes on five minutes early, and they just start sharing, man, it's been really difficult. And there's all of a sudden you see God working and it gives you the opportunity to say, you know what, I just, I'm going to, I'd like to pray for you. I might not do it now if people are coming on, but I would like to pray. Whatever it is. So you see Peter and John and they're, they're walking through and it's along their pathway that God brings before them a need. So as you go about your day, someone needs what you have and, and guess what? If you're willing to live in a sense of watching what's going on, God has prepared you uniquely to give what that person needs. It's so cool. You don't have to go to Africa or to the inner city or you don't even have to do some local ministry. You, every day, have a ministry. You, if you're paying attention to how God's working around you, have the opportunity to step in faith and experience God. You have this opportunity as you go along your day to enter the mission field that God has prepared you for. So, most often, you will give what you've got in those places that I think God has placed you in and along the path that you're going, and he's prepared you for and let's look at another piece of wisdom here. So I just, this is kind of where the story really kind of comes along. In at this piece, it goes and it kind of flowers out into a whole lot. It, it moves into more. It says, um, you've got, uh, here's what the wisdom is. You've got way more than silver and gold to give others. This is really a critical thing to be understanding. In Acts 3, verses 4 through 6, when he saw Peter and John, um, John about to enter, he asked them for some money, and they go, look at us, and the lame guy looks, and he's expecting money, and he says, I don't have this for you. Um, I love it how it says, I think it's either in King James or NIV, it's silver gold, not a, I, not, I don't have that. Silver gold, have I not. But what I have, I'm going to give to you. And Peter and John were convinced what they had was far better than even meeting them, his material need. And, and, and until you come to the place where you go, God is putting me in a pathway where people are, where I've been prepared for them, until you begin to realize that it's not such maybe the simple need sometimes, that, it, that in that simple need that you meet, there's something far greater that you have to give. And that is a connection, putting them in, in, in a position to actually experience God themselves, to have an encounter with the God of the universe. So Peter says, I don't have money, but I'll give you what I have. And I, I really believe until you believe it, you, you probably won't give it. And you have much, much more than money. You have Jesus. Yeah, I, I think of this. You have the opportunity, think about this, to connect people with the God who created them. You have... The opportunity, you get the, the, the ability um, to, to tell them that God has a purpose for their life. 
Think about that. You get to tell them instead of trying to, you know, a lot of people are trying to find meaning, they're trying to find purpose, and, 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 and you have opportunity to say, you know what, instead of trying to look in and all the tests you're doing, they're all good, they can all help, but if you ever just looked up, if you really want to know your purpose, go to the one who designed you, because the one who designed you will help you see your purpose, right? I was thinking about this, and, and I... I thought of this fact that God is a master designer that designs us and he knows why he designed us. So if we, we really want to know, we begin to, to, to look to his word and we begin to pray and we begin to seek to understand why he's designed us. I, I was thinking about the weird designs that maybe have come out in 2020 and I saw one and I thought, what in the world is this? I don't know if you have that picture. Um, and I, and I thought, you wouldn't know what that's for and probably you could, let's all go within for a second and see if we can get it. Now, some of you might get lucky. You know what this is? It's a COVID bubble. You could, you could be wearing that today if you wanted. And, and I thought of that. I thought, you know, the only way we sometimes know what a designer has in his intent and purpose is, is you got to ask him. And, and that's what I believe that you have the opportunity to do. You have so much more than gold and silver to give to people. You don't have to have the right answer uh, the money they need, a certain amount of Bible training. You merely need to do this. You need to listen to Jesus. You can take that off, and that will be distracting to me as well. Um, you merely need to listen to Jesus and then follow his prompting in those situations as you go along those pathways of life. I love how the late Presbyterian pastor Lloyd J. Ogilvie, who's who's not necessarily a charismatic. He says this, the two apostles said a curious thing. Look at us. They request for his full attention, express their deep feelings of compassion, and it quickened the man's expectation. He knew he was going to get something. It kind of brought some faith or trust. Oh, I'm going to get... And it quickened something else. The spirit-filled disciples, the spirit-filled disciples sensed a stirring within them. Don't don't put this. Put yourself in there. You're in this path. You're walking along, and you're seeing something, and then the spirit of God may begins to stir something within you. In this situation, it says, "What would Je-? they they think? What would Jesus have done in this situation?" And in Peter's mind, healed the man. Could they? Dare they? Faith that would happen surged in them. I love that faith. God gives the faith. He gives the compassion. And it surges within them, and they come eye to eye with the layman, and the gift of faith was given. And they gave him what they had, which was far more than silver and gold. So Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, prompted Peter to say, Jesus has something far more. He has a healing for you. In fact, it says in verse 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, the man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in the name of Jesus has healed him before your very eyes. One of the things I want to share with you around Luke, and you won't get it in these texts, although they do a pretty good job in some ways, and like this New Living Translation, I think, did this. Um, it, it talks about um, the fact that healing, here healing is, is, is the word that Luke uses is a, is a kind of, they call it a hopox legomenon, which means a single-use word, which is the idea that it was a medical term. It was the idea. It wasn't just that he healed him physically. There was the whole body, mind, emotions were healed when Jesus touched him. And then verse 7 through 11, then Peter took the layman by the right hand. And I love how Luke is so specific. You can tell these are eyewitness accounts. He took him by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's, and here's the other thing I want you to look at, the man's feet and ankles. That's a, that again, those words there are Luke's 
They're, again, single-use words. They're, they're words that are medical terms that he was aware of. It wasn't like he was lame completely. He actually, the word actually talks about the, the socket and the ankle. He's using a medical term that, that, that verifies the fact that as a doctor, he's trying to figure out, whoa, what really happened in this healing? And, and, and so I love how they, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. These were, from birth, this was, this was out of socket, out of place. And he jumped up, stood on his feet. And, and so you, can, you get this picture. He's going, whoa, whoa. He's walking around. He's never done this. And the walking begins. They're going, whoa. And he's starting to leap around. He's so excited. And walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame man they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely, and again, astounded, absolutely astounded. Is another one of these single-use words that, that, um, that Luke is using. He, he's, he can't even fully describe what was going on inside of the people that saw this, who knew this guy from birth. They just were out of their minds. Like, can this really be true? Can this be happening in front of us? So then when you come to these verses 12 on, what I want to share with you is when I said, you know, you're giving um, far more than what you've got, what Peter, what, what Peter does is he now goes and speaks specifically to the people. This is like his second message. We looked at his first message, I think it was a week ago, and then now you, you have from Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 26, he kind of lays out all the things they have in Jesus. And, and honestly, this would take another... A lot more time than I have. So we're not going to go through this in depth. I'm just going to just share with you that Peter saw his opportunity address the crowd. Verse 12, people of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power, our own godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. It's not my superior piety or my incredible ability. It's not because I'm a good man, but Peter is basically saying, what happened here is I'm just a conduit for people to experience God. And specifically here, Jesus. And so he says, you're a conduit for the ability for God to heal. And again, not just physical, healing deep down in their emotions and their heart. You're a conduit for, for God's forgiveness. There are so many people who don't even realize it, but they, some of the physical things that they're having going on in their body is due to the fact of, of the bitterness and the lack of forgiveness they have in their heart. And you get the opportunity to say, I have been forgiven by Jesus, and I've been learning now, not just as it says in the Lord's Prayer, that you know we forgive to forgive. I have the opportunity to forgive. I would love to have you know this Jesus. So it says, the same Jesus, he says, who you handed over and, and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one, instead demanded the release of a murderer. There's a bunch of contrasts that I, we don't have time to go through, um, because it sounded like you handed Jesus over and rejected him, but Pilate wanted to release him. There, there's these kind of things. You, you, you let go of a murderer, and, and yet you killed the author of life. You have these kind of things going on. And, and, and we are witnesses of this fact. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. It's a really graphic word. It's, it's what they used to do. They used to write on, on, on these papyri and they would use ink. But it was such that they could actually go and wipe it out and they could erase it or obliterate it. So it was again a blank slate. He's basically saying that's what God does in forgiveness for you. And you get to tell people about that. 
You've got a lot more to give than you realize. If you pay attention to the Spirit of God, He'll lead you into these places. Verse 16, your conduit to God's help. And all Jesus requires is faith. You get to tell people that. You know what? It's not, you gotta give more money and you gotta show up at church. It's not any of those things. Those, are, those things are heart changes that God will do in your life. It all begins with one simple act of I'm gonna trust you and not myself any longer. I'm gonna start putting my trust in you, God. Through faith in the name of Jesus. We'll talk more about that next week. And then down verses 18 through 26, he has just talked about right from the beginning of the first books of the Bible, and, and now he says, friends, I realize what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling all of what the prophets had foretold about Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for you must remain in heaven, he must... Remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things. I mean, he's going through a whole theology lesson here. As God promised long ago through his holy prophets, Moses said, I will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to this prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. That's a huge warning. There is a time of grace. There is a time where we can come into the presence of God and live forever in the presence of God, into eternity with God. And there is the possibility, if you do reject Jesus, that you will live without him and without God for eternity. We don't like to say the word hell, but that is a real place where you have chosen. It's not that God's chosen. You've chosen, and then God just says that that's the direction you're going to go. I, I, he doesn't change. He's so respectful of our will. And then he goes on, he says, starting with Samuel. So he's going through the whole Old Testament here. Um, he goes on every prophet about what is happening today, et cetera, et cetera. And he comes to this point and he basically says, the entire books of the Bible, every one of them points to Jesus, every one of them points to the fact that God wants you to live in his presence and to walk every day in his presence and to follow him. And so I'm going to ask the, the team to come forward. I'm going to share with you one last story, and we're going to close. And that is you can't give what you don't have. If, I, I like to say it this way. English people will not like it. You can't give what you don't got. Okay? That's not good English, but you can't give what you don't got. I'm going to share with you <clears throat> a number of years back. I had an opportunity where I had some wounds from my father, and I remember getting up the, the ability to, um, in my mind, I thought, confront him, and I went and was speaking with a therapist who was helping me through this process, and he said, you know what, instead of confronting, really what you want is to be more, more uh, present with your dad. You want a, a deeper experience with him, right? I said, yeah. I said, look at it as a gift. I thought, oh, that's a good way to look at it. He goes, so I brought this stuff up to my dad, and then I realized in the course of the conversation what I was hoping that he would have given me, which is between him and God. So I realized he didn't have to give. And I was hanging on to this, and I began to forgive, and I began to let go and say, God, you know, I love him for who he is. And I wished I could have that, and, you know, he'll respond to you. This isn't about blaming parents. This is just understanding what you got. And, and, and the reason I say this is to say to you, you may want to give your kids all kinds of grace and love, but if you don't really experience that, you're going to have a hard time giving to him. It'll be words. You're, you may want to say, you know, I don't want, um, 
I, I don't want my kids to grow up being angry, but if you have anger and that's showing up, um, you're going to give it. And so as we sing this, I just want you to be processing in your heart, what is it that you most need from God? Maybe you need to forgive someone. Maybe you need to move into a place where you go, you know what, i got to just back off. The timing isn't right in what I'm trying to do here, maybe with a child or an adult kid. But I'm going to ask you to begin to start praying about, you know, and think about this. You can't give what you don't got, so what do you need? And are you willing to come to God? Let's stand and let's, let's close. Mm-hmm.